like I said, there's CrossFitters out there that are doing, you know, multiple, you know, deadlifts with hundreds of kilos and hundreds of chin-ups and all of that sort of stuff. But, and it's really hard for them um, to, I guess, get their ego out of the way to, to rehab themselves and, start, and go back to those subtle basics. And, and then, but when they do, the performance um, benefits are great. Uh, but usually, usually they do it when they've already been in a lot of pain for a long time. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome back to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. This is part three with Sam Fenton. So in the last two episodes, uh, we looked at uh, the physical literacy uh, method of developing swimmers. And part two, we looked at feet and ankles, how you can improve your underwater kick and your kick overall through better ankle and foot strength and range of motion. And in this episode, we are looking at, uh, at deep core. So Sam, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, what do we mean by deep core? What are we talking about here? Yeah, thanks, Brent. Um, yeah, look, uh, we, there's a, oh, I guess there's, there's so much um, movement towards uh, Pilates, as you may know now. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, especially with your physiotherapist now, uh, nearly every physio has got a clinical therapist, uh, Pilates therapist that works with them. Uh, lots of physios are doing their clinical Pilates qualifications. Um, you're seeing it all over the place. Um, and I've, I've been in the Pilates game since about 2004, 2005, um, and, um, and seen a lot of different ways of teaching Pilates and, and those sort of things. Um, and what I find is, is a lot of, uh, even physios that have done their clinical Pilates and those sort of things are not uh, teaching the exercises, but they're not teaching how to do them properly. So, um, so when we say deep core, um, there's, uh, there's a group of muscles that work together in particular around stabilizing the lumbar spine. Um, and, and this is where that, where the argument gets a little bit funny as to whether it's everything's, um, things that local muscles where we call global muscles, your big movers and local muscles, the muscles that are closer into the joints and stabilize them, um, whether they're assisting in creating movement. Um, you know, if you think of, uh, for swimmers, rotator cuffs is a good way to think about that. They're local muscles. So are they there to create movement or are they there just to, um, stabilize and, and suck the bone into the joint? Right. So what's their role? So, um, so there's, uh, a, a sort of a trio, I guess, that we don't talk about a lot, which is, um, the pelvic floor, which is the bottom. So the pelvic floor acts like a little trampoline that holds up your organs, but it also works, uh, in, connectively with everything around your pelvis too. So when, when you think of creating um, stability around your pelvis and you think it's not just a bone, it, it moves at the pubic, a pubic symphysis at the front and then you've got um, your sacroiliac joints and two, two cartilage joints at the back as well and then, you, and then you've got like your sacrum in the middle. So, so your, pelvis, your pelvis moves and it can be stable or unstable and uh, pregnant women um, know that this gets really unstable when you get pregnant. Um, and they can have continuing continuing troubles after after birth as well around that area. So pelvic floor um, is important to provide stability there. So um, stability is important for the same you know around the pelvis for the same reason that a chassis is important. Uh, to use a car analogy, I don't know if this is appropriate for all readers here, uh, readers or watchers or um, listeners, but um, 
but integrity in uh, is really, really important to be able to transfer power through your body. So, so pelvic floor is really, really important. And, and for the other reason that it holds up your organs as well. And it works below your diaphragm. So your diaphragm is pushing up and down with your breathing and your um, a healthy pelvic floor will be working against those forces as well. Um, and to create what we call intra-abdominal pressure. And, and it's really important to have that intra-abdominal pressure so that we can transfer force up and down the body. Um, and I, and I, the way I like to think about this in terms of transferring a wave going through your body is transferring a wave through a string through a tin can phone. So I don't know if you've ever made one of those before Brent, but you can get two tin cans and a piece of string between them. And you just tie a little knot and a little hole in the bottom of the tin can and you pull it tight and, and then you can talk through them like talking through a phone. And it's the vibration that goes from your voice gets through the string gets through, through to the other side. As soon as that string goes slack, the, the message doesn't go through. And that's very much what happens through your body. Good so if you're trying to, yeah, good way to explain get, it. Yeah. So if you're trying to get your upper body to coordinate with your lower body, there's, you have waves of energy that go through um, your body. Hmm. Um, and if you're slack in the middle and the local muscles aren't doing their job in the middle and you don't have integrity in the middle, um, then that, that message doesn't get through and that wave doesn't transfer through the body properly. So um, kicking suffers, um, upper body suffers, you know, hand-eye coordination suffers, everything, everything sort of drops off. But the thing that what we see most in, in the Western population is back pain. So we see back pain, back pain in running, back pain in, in swimming, um, and just just poor movement. And that and it, and you don't improve that through lots of crunches. You don't improve it through doing V sits, and you don't improve it through doing planks. Um, and apologies to anyone out there that's offended right now, um, <laughs> but it's there's yeah there's a level of quality of using things. Uh, the the trio of muscles that I was talking about before is your pelvic floor, your multifidus. And your transverse abdominis. So your transverse abdominis is like a um, kidney belt that runs around. So so when you pull it together, that's when you pull your belly button in. That's your transverse abdominis. So you've got your pelvic floor, you've got your transverse abdominis, and then you've got your multifidus, which um, works actively to stabilise the lumbar spine. And using those together, and again, you're using these in a skillful way that you build up through um, through awareness and very basic um, hip tilting exercises. Um, activating your pelvic floor and, and tilting and then starting to do it under a bit of pressure. Um, and then you, you build that up over time. So, uh, so often I've, I've done a lot of rehab with uh, CrossFitters who look a million bucks, who've got a six pack, got muscles bulging out of you know, everywhere, no body fat, look fantastic, um, but just destroying their joints and back and all of that sort of stuff and, and can't swim fast and can't, you know, um, get can't crack beyond sort of basic levels of performance, whether it's in triathlons or, or whatever it might be. Um, and they and as concerned as they are about injuring themselves, they continue to do it because, you know, the, the, the heavy lifting and the CrossFit and the, the big ab workouts and all of that sort of stuff um, makes you feel great and makes you, mm. you know, and it makes your body look great. And, and everybody notices that you look awesome. So, <laughs> so it's, it's a pretty hard sell to get people to do the really subtle um you know, internal work that's, that takes a lot of uh, mindful attention and mindfulness to be able to um, be able to develop that type of core strength. Great. I want to get into some of those, uh, those exercises soon. And uh, 
you know, it doesn't need to be a, a whole lot. And, you know, we talked about some exercises for improving your range of motion with the feet and that kind of thing. And yep. I find like what I've recommended a lot over the last few years to, um, to a lot of the guys that I coach is just do, I've got this five minute TheraBand routine that I posted inside our, our video membership. And it's a lot of your basic shoulder exercises with the TheraBand doing that before training and a little bit of that is can work wonders like you don't need to be doing an hour of that you know once a week or anything just five minutes of it is going to start to strengthen a lot of those those local muscles around the scapula and that sort of thing and just Hmm. um improve your range of motion as well so i imagine it's probably going to be very much the same for some of these um core exercises as well and i like how you explained the um like I, i i've talked about it as you want to swim from the inside out as in you've got to have that stability through the core to then deliver that power through the extremities and yeah. to connect it all up. So yeah. if it's like a, you know, if you're like a wet noodle in the middle, nothing's going to connect. And we see that very often when we're doing video analysis. And yeah. one of the things that I learned about a little a couple of years ago was the Serape effect, which is um, for overhead movements where you're essentially connecting up. It's like this you know, band from the hips, uh, these four muscles where it starts from the hips and comes up through the shoulder um, through the shoulder girdle and connecting that up like when you're throwing a ball yes. and it's that wave effect and it's yeah, similar right. in swimming and it's i find it's quite hard to kind of recognize and and see and explaining swimming that's but right. it's it's that exact same thing it's that coordination and connection from the hips and all the way through out the front yeah yeah look it's it's really really hard to see but when it when it's done well it looks great <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's almost like it's uh when it's done well you don't even notice it like it's just everything moves really really nicely yeah so um caleb dressel um just put out a couple of um what do you, he called it um covid something quarantine it was i've recommended that to a yeah, lot of people right. yeah. Yeah, quarantines. And um, so if you look at him and his mate that he pulled off the PlayStation to come out and do the, do the <laughs> size video with him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and uh, you, can just, you can just see the quality of their core. So they're, they're doing actually very, what, what seem people, and this is the, I guess this is the big issue in teaching people this stuff is what they're doing actually looks super simple and everyone's like, oh yeah, I can do that. Like I can keep my legs in the air and, and make a um, plank facing the sky. And um, I can do a plank on my side, and I can and I can do a plank facing the front, lift my legs. But the the he, he's got an Olympic level of of core control, um, you know. And I've done core workshops, I've done lots of core work, workshops over the years. But um, but I can grab any athlete that's at that level, and I can do any of the movements with them. And they they've never done them the way I teach them. But I know I know because they're at the Olympic level. I've done it with um, Michael Clem and Astralani. You just grab them, just get them to demonstrate. And any of those guys um, can do that stuff absolutely beautifully. So if anyone watches those, um, those quarantine um, videos with Caleb Dressel, watch, watch below his belly button. So you'll see his belly button and then just below that, when he's doing all of those movements, you'll see a perfectly stable, super, super, super powerful transverse abdominals when he's, when he's moving through that. And so no movement through the lumbar spine when he's doing his stability work and, mm-hmm. and it, which gives him the ability to freely move with under a high amount of pressure, his legs, however he wants to move them. So, um, you know, on his side, facing down, facing up, everything just works absolutely amazing. And that's because of what's going on internally. So, so the answer is, is not just do these exercises that Olympic swimmers are doing or just, you know, you know, do the exercises that the best athletes in the world are doing. You need to learn the fundamentals that they've developed over time 
um, and think about these guys are professional athletes that have the best um, high performance coaches and strength and conditioning coaches working with them day in and day out, you know, just watching those things all the time, like a, like a hawk, you know, and correcting them all the time and making sure that those things are working properly. Um, and, you know, clinical Pilates therapists and those sort of things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, when it looks good and it's, it's not, and again, it's not the sexy thing like, Oh, just do these exercises and you'll get instant results. It's actually, and it's a lot of time and practice in learning basics and going back to the fundamentals. That's, yeah, it's really interesting. I, it makes me think about when, when I'm running clinics, right? We've got six swimmers at, at, at most and we're going through, we go through six drills, keep really simple. Yeah. Um, but I'm very particular about how they do those drills. And yeah. sometimes people, you know, I'll, I'll stop them and say, all right, I want you to just bring your arm out to the side a little bit here. I want you to sort of lift your chest a little bit here, like very yes. particular. And they'll kind of look at me like, yeah, okay. Like they do it. Um, and I think a lot of the times they're like, okay, does this really sort of matter? But as it, like I'm, yeah. I'm there, I've seen thousands of swimmers you know, do these drills. And you, what I notice is that people, what people do when they normally swim will translate more times than not into the, into the drill. So they'll often do these yeah. drills really well if they can swim well. And let's say they're not doing the drills well. For example, if we're doing like a side kicking drill and someone has a tendency to cross over when they swim, they will cross over in that side kick drill because they're, yeah. It's just what they're used to and it's how their body moves. And, um, so you, and then we start to get them to change it. And over time, it starts to change the way that they swim. But it's really those fundamentals of some of these drills and being very picky about the way that they do them that over time will help them then do it in the full swim stroke without them really needing to think too much about it. Yeah, that's right. And, and without thinking, that's the, that's the key. So, um, and, and if anyone asks, you know, why am I doing this? Why do I have to do these fundamentals? You know, and, and you, you, you have to ask, like I think we're talking about Steph Curry and, and um, the late Kobe Bryant and, and, you know, why do they do the fundamentals all the time? Uh, and, and that's the reason why, because when, when, when you're doing a skilled movement, you don't want to be thinking about parts of the movement. <laughs> you want those movements, all of that stuff to be on automatic pilot and anything you don't use drops off. So that's why you have to always do it. And it doesn't matter how long you're, you've been at it for, you have to keep doing those fundamentals um, of your, of your warmups, um, activating those muscles, because um, if you don't, they drop off and then so does your stroke or so does your kick or so does your awareness or so does your feel for the water. So those things all disappear if you're not using them. When I, when I've done filming with, uh, high level swimmers and triathletes because uh, I've recorded them and put them in our membership so people can sort of see examples of really good swimmers. And when I do that, I'll always ask them, you know, what are some drills that you do in squad or when you're training? Like, what is it that you like to do? They're pretty much all the same. Like they're pretty basic. They'll do like be doing two drills or three drills. And particularly when I first started coaching, I was out there, you know, what's, you know, what are some secret drills you can do? And like, yeah, there's got to be some secrets out there. But it's like not not at all. Like it's it's very much the same stuff that people have done for a very long long time, and yeah. um and like well, we've sort of made up some drills to help teach some of the things that we want to teach at, at clinics because yeah. um particularly for people who haven't been taught at a young age or they've only started swimming in the last year or two and they're adults then yep. sometimes um some of the concepts that uh, these other swimmers are doing are a little bit beyond where I think some of the beginners are. So we've just sort of made up drills that are um, still work on the fundamentals, but it's just um, easier way 
an easy way to grasp some of the concepts. So um, yeah, there's, there's no real secrets out there. It's just applying the stuff that's, that's out there in the right way and uh, being diligent about it. Yeah, look, I think, but I think one of the, one of the, the big um, fallacies that's put out there is around core strength. And that's where I guess, yeah, even though the stuff that you see in Caleb Dressel's um, quarantine and those sort of things, um, you kind of get the idea that doing these V sits and planks and these these types of things are, are going to make you better. For some people, they're going to make you worse. So if you're overly strong through through hip flexors, you know, rectus abdominis, which makes you, um, which is a six pack muscle, which which its job is to make you hunch, and and hunching is is not a is not a great way to swim. You know what I mean? So um so to teach so to teach your core to be to to be long to work in with your neck to work in with your shoulders um to be you know powerful from through the pelvic floor you know through the multivitus and and transverse holding you together so that you can perform those those really skilled movements through those big driving you know glute muscles and core muscles and um you know and then out to your extremities um it's yeah it, it's there's a, there's a lot of subtle stuff under there that's really hard to teach and so a lot of people just don't teach it it's it's hard to teach you, you've got yeah. to coach it you've got to you've got to watch for it um like i said if you're watching those colored dresser ones watch below the belly button watch how it doesn't pop and then and then maybe watch yourself do it in a mirror and watch yourself when you load up um when you load up in a v-sit or something like that um watch what happens below your belly button and if, if that pops and starts to, you know, and it and doesn't hold together and you start to feel pressure through your lower back, you've, you've absolutely lost it. So, so apart from the performance benefits of, of learning core control and how to use your core properly, um, it's, it's the health benefits of enjoying movement and not having back pain, which is, which is a huge thing now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in terms of what are, some, what are some of the most basic exercises that people can do if they're just starting out with this kind of thing? Yeah, so... Um, just a basic, um, and again, I'll, I'll just, um, put the core level. You can just put the core level video in your, in your notes for this, um, podcast, but, um, just laying, just laying on your back, basic part is leg lift, but learning how to, um, hold through, I don't know if I can thing yep. up to learn how to hold through belly. So if the belly's poking out, being able to hold through here, but not crunching when you load your core up. So being able to lift through the top of your core, um, be strong through the bottom of your core, being able to lift up through your pelvic floor um, and being, being able to do that comfortably. And then from there, being able to move your hips. So being able to move your hips comfortably without doing hmm. this sort of stuff with your upper body as well when, you, when you're trying to move your hips. So just, um, so just being able to lay on the floor um, with your feet planted on the ground, knees at 90 degrees, just being able to contract your pelvic floor and, and pull your hips towards you um, without pushing on your feet, which is what a lot of beginners will do. Um, when a lot of people will do planks or bracing or anything like that, a lot of people will tend to um, crunch, at the, crunch at the core rather than stay long at the core and be able to draw up through their pelvic floor and... Um, and transverse and stabilize the lumbar spine. Hmm. So just, um, yeah, so just, just that basic learning. And once you've learned your hip manipulation, how to manipulate your hips and tilt your hips, that's the skill. That's it. I mean, it's, it's pretty basic. 
Um, but then, then you then you do that facing up, facing down on the side, um, and the uh, you'd be familiar with the um, the cat dogs or the bird dog exercise where you're on all fours and you're reaching out with one leg and you're pushing the other leg out. Yeah, yeah. So, so the key thing, the key thing with that is so you, like you're starting from, you know, like with your leg at ninety degrees. Is that if I can show my shirt here, as as you're kicking back there, is that you're not arching that's crunching your lower back that's what you see most people do if you yeah right there so as long as you can hold your back in position and then forcefully and very powerfully move move through there um which is a lot of glute strength through there um then you're going to be pretty safe and like you said one you know you, you develop you develop that transfer if you do it immediately before your activities your swimming activities they tend to work a lot better mm. Yeah, I um, oh, this was a while ago, but I was coaching same time as um, Vic Senna was coaching a couple of years back, and you know, I saw their their elite squad. You had Mac Horton in there and a couple of other um, Olympians and Australian swimmers in there. They were doing that yep. bird dog exercise, same thing. And and you look at that and go, okay, that's what I need to do. But you know, it, there's so much nuance to it in keeping the hips still and and all that sort of stuff. And that's um, and that's really the yeah, the art of, of getting it right. So some of that stuff, yeah. It's, it and what are you so doing while you're doing that? So, mm. yeah. So, so I, yeah. Yeah. So are you, are you holding those muscles together? Like I said, so that trio that we talked about before, which is your pelvic floor, your transverse abdominis and your multifidus, are they holding you together? And you can, and you can see, cause it looks really nice. Like I said, if you watch those, uh, those Caleb Dressel videos, it looks really good. It looks great. And you, you just know when you see that Olympic <laughs> level of strength, it looks amazing. But you, and sometimes it's like, well, you know, it's poetry in motion, but what's, what's behind that poetry in motion? Well, that's what's behind it. It's being able to use those, those muscles really, really well. And then when you're kicking that leg out, how are you using your glutes when you're doing that? And is your leg um, popping to the side or is, is there other dysfunctional movement? Are your toes starting to turn outwards or inwards? You know, there's, there's all of those little nuances of, of alignment and control that, like I said, needs good coaching. You need to be coached through it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and that, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. And you look at Caleb Dressel in his underwater work, like he's just, hmm. it's amazing that he's it's so obviously, it's obvious that he's so much better than everyone else in his underwater work yep. when he's against every other swimmer in the world. Like it's just incredible to see that level of performance. So he's really the gold standard for, uh, for that kind of thing is that, that core strength. Cause he, you just notice it when he swims, it's just amazing um, how strong he is. And I guess that connection, how it flows through and he just makes it look, look so easy. So um, yeah. yeah. And for everyone that goes out and, and watches that video and, and tries to do those exercises straight away, um, just, just be aware he's doing those things at what I would call a level four. So we'd have like three levels that we'd work on before moving into that really high level, straight full body, um, you know, kicking one leg up at a time and those sort of things. So he does those things at a very high level, which for him, it's, it's not a high level for him. It's just some basic course, which on work for him. Mm. And, and you're talking about uh, you'd have you know, three levels before that. You um, don't talk a little bit about your, well, about your business and what you guys do, because we haven't really we talked about that yet, but I think, um, that would be yeah useful for people on the on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so it's control high performance. Um, Controlhighperformance.com uh, is our website. So look, we we focus on athlete development, but we do you know we do video coaching and 
and um, we've been doing a lot of Zoom work this year hmm. and we've been coaching everyone over Zoom and, um, and doing it that way. So, which has been great. It's, it's certainly added to our skill set in, you know, coaching people um, in, a, in a completely different way. But um, yeah, look, we have a different approach, very different approach, I think, particularly like I was saying around the core work and those sort of things. Um, around you know developing the fundamentals, and like I said, it's not a great it's not a great um, sales pitch when when we talk. Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing a sales pitch here. Um, when we talk about uh, you know these things, uh, you've got to do the fundamentals, you've got to do the basics, and it takes time. Um, but and it but it really does take good coaching. So if you want to uh, if you want to improve all of the things that we're talking about here, you. you you can you can't really just grab that off a youtube video especially and a very high level athlete that's very um the the works at a really high level um of performance and then and then try and replicate those moves you you might look like you're doing the same positions but internally you're going to be doing something quite differently so Mm -hmm. so having a trained eye that understands and can observe how that what level you're actually at and and i'm and there's like i said there's crossfitters out there that are doing you know multiple you know deadlifts with hundreds of kilos and hundreds of chin-ups and all of that sort of stuff but and it's really hard for them um to i guess get their ego out of the way to to rehab themselves and start and go back to those subtle basics and, and then but when they do the performance um benefits are great uh, but usually, usually they do it when they've already been in a lot of pain for a long time, so yeah. back pain or injury or something like that. Um, but that's how a lot of people get into Pilates as well: is that they they find Pilates through an injury, mm. um, and then they would never would have you know been able to slow down enough to do that sort of stuff because it seems like there's very little payoff to Pilates, which ironically has the biggest payoff out of anything you do athletically. So, um, so those things that are you know subtle and boring and and those sort of things and internal and you have to be mindful and all of those sort of things. Um, they're, they're actually the things that have the biggest payoff, uh, for your long-term health and your long-term performance as well. It's that old adage. It's very hard to sell a prevention, but it's very easy to sell a cure. That's and, right. um, and, uh, but I think with, you know, how you're pitching it as like, this is going to take time, right? That's, um, I think that way you find the right people to work with, because if you're saying I can fix you, by next week and like you it's just i think you attract the wrong kind of person to work with and so over the last few years yeah. i've been very mindful of the way that i um that i frame how long it's going to take to improve and the type of results to expect because and i've found that's helped a lot with the type of people that i get coming to clinics and camps like they are willing to invest the time and yeah. they're willing to go through that period of discomfort where it's not going to feel good and they'll get frustrated because it's not maybe happening that quickly, but they know that it's, that it's going to take some time. So I've found it to be a much better type of person to work with. And you know, as, a, as a coach and someone who's as detailed as you, I, I imagine you'd find it the same, the same thing as you much prefer to work with those people who you know are going to be with you long-term because they're yeah. invested in it. Yeah, that's right. And look, I'm very lucky. Um, I, you know, I work full-time as a, as a lecturer and a researcher. So I don't, I don't have to... I don't have to work with people that I don't want to work with basically. So yeah. Um, yeah. I only work with um, people that I want to work with and yeah, I guess it's, it's lucky to be able to do that and not to have to try and do the quick sell or anything like that. Um, and, um, and yeah, the business is really just a, an extension of 
um, you know, doing, doing what I love doing and um, enrolling other people in that. So I've got Trent as, a, as my um, equal partner in the business as well. And um, he's certainly coming along in leaps and bounds and he's doing his master's degree now and learning really fast. So it's, uh, it's certainly coming together. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we'll put the links in the show notes, but control high performance. And um, Sam, thanks so much for this three-part um, episode. This has been fantastic. I've learned, learned a lot. And um, yes, particularly about the, the feet, the ankles, we we're talking about that, but also just some of those basic core control movements. Because uh, for me, I work so much on technique with people and it's obvious to me when they're not connected, starting yeah. from the core. Yeah. And, um, and look, that as you, like, it's hard to just sit down with someone in, in 10 minutes try to distill all of the stuff that's going on in their stroke and put it in a, in a way that um, they can hopefully take away something and, and improve um, yeah. without getting stuck into the nitty gritty and the detail of some of the core control, core control, you know, developing your core and that kind of thing. But to me, it kind of gives me a bit more um, information that I can then hopefully um, package up in a way that people can implement that stuff and, uh, and just over time improve their swimming. So thank you, Sam, very much. That was uh, awesome. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Just, um, yeah, great to catch up with you, Brent. Thank you very much. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Matt. We'll catch you soon. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.